The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Tapes. My name is Zach Colligan, and I'm possessed by pinball. If you're listening to this, there's a glimmer of hope that I can instill into you the joy and fascination I get from this kinetic wonder. This is the Pinball Tape. explanation here. After my recent rambling Sinbad Part 2 episode, it occurred to me that there are many people out there who from owning a game or playing one on location are essentially experts. So if I could find those special someones who were not only experts on the game, but also had such affection for it that it became revered above the many games in their extensive collection that they would be fascinating to talk to. If you add to this some uber pinball technical prowess and podcasting pinball fame, and you have yourself a masterclass. Yes, I found this unique combination bundled into two living legends, and so we had a chat about all things pinball. So a stern stars masterclass is what I present today. Hello good people and welcome back. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined on this masterclass edition of the Pinball Tapes by a couple of pinball legends who I would never have attempted this venture without. In my mind, these gents are the current worldwide experts on stern electronics games. There is a running joke in the pinball community that they have single-handedly increased the price of them because of their open and professed love they consistently tout on their media outlets. And we love them all the more for it. I'm talking about the duo innuendo, the undisputed winners of the spinners, the technical technocrats, and the brothers butthead. Ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Nightingale and Ron Hallett of the Slam Tilt Podcast. Huzzah! Welcome, gents. <laughs> That's the greatest intro I've ever received. <laughs> I know. You, Ron, your now sucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this today, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time. Anybody who has a stars in my book, we are welcome oh. to come on their show. Is that the way it works? <laughs> All right. I love it. That's the way it works. Righto. Let's get down to business. Okay. I'll admit I haven't lured you here for yucks and swears today. We are here to nail Ooh. down the definitive, all-explorative, fleshed-out, I'm laying these up for you, Bruce, Guide to the Unique and Beautiful Steve Kirk Design 1978 Stern Electronics Stars. (laughs) Well played. The official pinball machine of the Slam Tilt Podcast. (laughs) It really is, isn't it? (laughs) And Ron was afraid to use it against me this past weekend in a tournament. He had pickup game, and we had stars sitting over there, and he chose Cheetah. Oh, you, that would have been a Coward. battle of the titans on the stars, but you did. It was a battle of a battle of titans on Cheetah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I bet it was. That looks like an amazing game. I, I haven't seen one around here, and I think I saw on your. Um, that's a Stern Electronics, right? Cheetah. Yes, it is. Yep. And also, there's a, a big games. Another one, another Stern Electronics one mm-hmm. I've seen. I think on your 
Slam Tilt stream, Ron, I reckon you were playing? Oh, yeah. I've, I played them all on the stream at some point or another. Yeah, oh, amazing looking games. And what I find really interesting is with these Stern Electronics games and with Stars in particular, it seems that this has become an absolutely essential prize in any serious pinheads collection because every time I listen to a podcast, it seems like someone else owns one. How long have you guys known it was a great game? And how did you sort of come across it? It had to be, for me, it had to be uh, Papa in the classics. Oh, really? It would just slaughter me. (laughs) <laughs> so right. the way i combated it was okay i have to buy one so i can get better at it right okay so so because it punished you so badly you yeah. thought i want some more okay yeah right i remember playing one as a kid uh because of the wacky score you know how to number one is on the lower you know left hand side and it goes diagonally up and i yes. just remember that part of the screen so that's the weird part of it and i remember playing it that way so i was like it was another reason, but it's just a fast, brutal game that's just enjoyable. And if you play, if you ever played the one at Papa, or if you know somebody who did, they will say it was an ass kicker. Sometimes you you plunge three balls and wouldn't touch a flipper on a ball, and that was it. And you came back for more. <laughs> Surely they wouldn't have made stars harder because I know oh, they do no, that. No, not Papa, not Pimberg. No, they of course they did. <laughs> but it, it was a great time, and that's what made me want to get it. I don't know about you, Ron. How did I get Starsified? Yeah. No, you, <laughs> oh, there we go. I'm writing that down. Starsified. Starsified. I, nice. Because he did buy the one I wanted to buy. Well, we could, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, ooh. that's a story ooh. in itself. So, Hello. But I got into Stars because of Scott Charles, who was a preeminent and still is preeminent. Back in the day, like maybe 15 years ago, there was maybe three or four guys countrywide that people knew were the stern electronics people and scott was one of them and he used to have tournaments at his house and one of the tournaments he had two stars he had he had a one one in the basement and one upstairs so one was up stars the other one was down stars <laughs> nice i see what you did there Very and good. when it, when he would want to get into shows for free he would always bring the stars because it was light and easy to carry Yes, and as far as the uh, what Bruce was talking about, uh, I saw stars on eBay uh, for five hundred dollars, and um, when it got near the end of the auction, you know, I'm, I'm bidding, and someone is upbidding me. You know, it's five hundred, five, you know, ten, twenty, <laughs> thirty. Eventually, I think it ended up being like five sixty-five or something. I got it yeah. for. Oh, and, no. and this Big was bucks. back when you could actually see who was bidding against you before it was like grayed out and stuff. It's, you can't really see stuff now. Oh, really? And I saw the name. I saw who it was. I don't think I put two and two together until I talked about it. it might have even been on the podcast, our podcast, where I said like, yeah, I won this stars I was bidding on. It was in New Jersey somewhere. And Bruce is, oh, you mean the one I was bidding on? Mm-hmm. So Bruce cost me $65 more than yep. I could have got for <laughs> So you guys, do you knew each other back then, I'm assuming? Like oh, was... yeah. No, we, oh, yeah. We've known, I've oh, known yeah. Ron for almost 18 Since years now. 2004. Right. Or oh. five. Four or five, yeah. Four Actually, five. five. Did you yeah. guys play pinball together back in the day as well? Or has this been a... A later collection thing. Uh, he he came to my one of my parties in uh, Rochester, which was three hours away from him. I put up like just a post saying on on rec.games.pinball saying, "Hey, I'm having a pinball party. Come on over." 
And Ron messaged me like a couple weeks later, like, hey, I'm going to come out. And then he came out and we met and I became a friendship ever since. And now he's like, you know, he's a brother to me. I love it. Love it. That's awesome. And especially together with Pinball. So you had a collection back then? Oh, yeah. I've had it. I've been collecting since 1983. I bought my first pinball machine. Wow, no kidding! You must have got some absolute bargains over the years, then. Oh, I've 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 had over almost. I'm up to probably 350 games. <laughs> Tell them about Kiss. Yeah, I bought my. <laughs> Ooh, I bought dude, my, tell me about Kiss. I bought my first machine, which was a Kiss Valley, and uh, I didn't know at the time, but I bought it from a crack house in Paris, in New Jersey. <laughs> What? Yep. Really? And, I, and when we bought it, you know, we went down there. The guy was like, I don't know how to work it. You know, it doesn't work anymore. You know, <laughs> we threw. I bought it for $350, threw it in the back of my mom's car. We got home. Wow. Three days later, we're watching the news, and there was a big raid on a house in Patterson, New Jersey. And it was the same house. No way. Really? Yes. <laughs> so you could have got caught up in the raid. If I could have got caught up really. in the raid, but we did. I got my pinball machine, and that's all that mattered. Oh, wow, that's unbelievable. So the guy was probably like, oh, I tried to smoke it. didn't work. So, didn't wow. Work, yeah. was, it, was, it, was it in pretty good nick or was it trashed? I don't imagine. Oh, no, no it, was, it, was, it, was, it was okay. It, you know, okay. The, the CPU didn't work. So back then there was no extra CPU boards. So yeah, you right. had to learn how to do it yourself. And it took me like, I think, two months. But we got it working. And I had it until I think it was 1998. Yeah, right. So I had it for 15 years, and I eventually sold it to a guy in New Jersey, and then he sold it. And now it's somewhere else in the world, but it was not bad shape. I, I enjoyed it, and after that, I just got kept on buying, and I bought – like I've had multiples of games. And what about you, Ron? Like, What about your collection? Been for a long time, or is that more of a recent thing? Since 2004. Okay. Well, that's not too and not, not nearly the – the amount of games as Bruce. I had a really long streak where I didn't sell any games. Right, okay. What's the first That'd game be... you sold, Ron? Uh, the first game I sold was... What was the first game I sold? Was it Black Knight Black 2000? Knight. <laughs> My Black Knight 2000. Yeah. Black Knight 2000? Oh, okay, righto. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say, not an original Black Knight, surely. No, I still have that one. That was my first game, and I still have that right one. Right, I saw you doing some beta testing of new software or something recently. Yes, beta testing new software for Black Knight, yes. Yeah, yeah, right on. By uh, Scott, the same guy that I played as stars. Oh, okay, righto. Yeah, yeah, right. So is he yeah. actively doing sort of new ROMs or something? All, uh, the, all the ROMs that you actually see on most of the Stern Electronics for custom is usually made by Scott Charles. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Ooh. if you see them in a tournament and, yeah, they have certain um, certain upgrades to them. Yeah, like my – to bring it back to stars, my stars – is running a special variant of Scott software where basically it mm. it behaves like an MPU 200 Stern game, like a, a meteor or after. So like before the third ball, it'll show all the high scores oh, before it gives you right. the third ball, like the later Sterns do. It will only show the score displays. Like if you play two player game, it'll just show you two of the score. Two of the ah. score displays will be on. The other ones won't be on. On a right. stock stars, all the displays are on at all yeah, times. Yeah, absolutely. That's yes. what it does on mine. I know that as a feature in the dip switches, you can change it, I think, to two-player or four-player. But that'd be pretty handy. Yeah, it's only one of three. You can do that with uh, oh, really? oh. pinball, and stars. Okay. Yeah, right. You can make it a two-player or four-player game. So, yeah. So, how did you get your collection together, Ron? Um, did you, so, you started in 2004 and just kept buying and buying. You seem like you've got a pretty uh, serious setup from what I've seen in the uh, streams. Yeah, I'm running out of room. No, he's not. No, he's not. 
<laughs> don't say it. Don't say it's true. Yeah, wow. Okay. How many have you got down there, mate? Well, you know you have too many when people ask you that question, and I really don't know. It's 30-something at this It's time. 36. He's at 36. My God. Have you 36? got 30? Okay, so he knows better than I do what I wow, have. Wow. That's a big space from looking at the streams. I thought you had a few, but that's a, that's a lot of machines. Well, they're not all there. There's a Metallica oh, at my okay. dad's house, so... So, all right, let's lose a large percentage of our viewers by getting into some technical talk. I am oh very aware <laughs> I have a couple of technical experts with me today, and I don't want to waste this opportunity. Now, Bruce, I remember hearing about you years ago on the Head to Head Pinball podcast. Is it true that Ryan C would ring you and you'd give him technical advice like while working on the bar and stuff? Like, yes, is that, that is true. I, I witnessed that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's amazing, man. Like, yeah, he would, he would just, and he'll still do it once in a while. He'll text me like a video and he'll go, "What do you think, mate?" And I'm like, "Uh, it could be this, this, or this." And then I won't hear him for for a little while, and I'll say, "Whatever happened?" He goes, "Fixed." I'm like, "Eager that?" Right. He goes, "It's fixed." It. <laughs> I love it. And so this kind of expertise is so important to retain. Do you like teach anyone? You guys? Do you have anyone that younger working for you or anything? No, well, I do teach. Uh, the, we have five owners at the Rochester Pinball yes. Collective, and uh, me and Zach are two, and we're the head techs, I would say. There, yeah, Zach seems full on. What I hear, yeah, well, yeah Zach is awesome, and, and he's yeah, he's what? How old is Zach? Twenty-seven or twenty-eight, Ron? Um, he will turn twenty-eight this year. Yep. Oh, so, so he's yeah. a spring chicken. Yeah, yeah, right. And he knows EMs. He knows everything. So he is really good at what he does. But the other three owners are. They have pinball machines, and but they don't go as deep. Uh, one's really good at board work. He's excellent at boards. Right, okay. But the other two are like, they'll just clean and that kind of stuff. So you just try to, you know, we're always teaching each other. I'm learning yeah. right now EMs from Zach. So that's the way right. I look at it. And yeah, Zach's okay. learning how to do chapters from me. So we all try to help each other the out. The EMs seem to be a whole different ball game. Like, Oh, they so. are. They totally are. Oh, problems. they are. They totally this are. Weekend, this weekend, I was working on uh, three stepper motors at a customer's house, and I was blacker than the ace of spades. I, my hands were all black and gummed up, and I'm cleaning and cleaning. And Zach's just laughing like, yep, keep it up. Keep up the good work. I'll work on this one. So we were working on two at the same time, and he gave me the grunt work while he's just doing his own stuff. <laughs> so is that what you do? From what I've been told, you pull everything out, clean it all, and put it back together. Is that kind of the vibe? It the is, ends? and then you just got to make sure the gaps are good for the relays and for the all the connections. They, right for the switch. All for the relays, the for the relays, oh, the relay. switches, yeah, everything. Yeah. You got it. They can't be too far apart, but they can't be too close. They got to be just right. Do you have calipers to measure the gaps and stuff? No, you, you don't even use calipers. You just go by eye. You, you go by okay. the you know the, you, the switch. Well, adjuster. you actuate them in a relay. Yes. You actuate the relay. It right. should touch yeah, and then go a little that. beyond that. And of course, there's like four or five switches stacked on the relay, so you got to look at all of them. They all have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Is it like, <laughs> is it like relays? I've only experienced relays, obviously, on solid state machines where some of the switches open and some of them close with the same movement. Is that the way? It Pretty works? much it. Yeah, yes. that's yeah, how it works. Wow. Okay, that's how it is yep. on like the on, on like underneath for like Gottlieb's and that kind of stuff. You see the relays relays underneath the play fields for like your Sinbad and that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah, Same absolutely. Thing. So do you guys do board work at all? Or do you like yes, do you I outsource? Do. I okay. It. I do it I do as little as possible. But but yeah, I have I have done I have done board work. And the thing is, through through the podcast, we have I get so many requests for things. 
for custom oh, code really? and all that. Like as we're oh, okay. recording yeah, right. right now, I'm looking at uh, someone just messaged me. Uh, Thanks for the meteor rom. Oh right, oh that, that, that yeah, I sent yeah, them. Right. So yeah. Well, you've got me thinking about that stars rom. I might be hitting you up for that. Does it do well, um? <laughs> that require the thing is that the, the stars <laughs> the stars rom requires some board modifications that. Oh, does I it? Think, oh, okay. I don't think I even did. I think someone did it for me. I don't. Re- I, I yeah, don't right. remember. Who I did thought you it? gave him the board. I thought you gave him the board. I thought I did too, but he doesn't remember that. So yeah, <laughs> I remember that too. But yeah. When I'm doing up machines these days, especially solid state, the Stern Electronics one, I found a guy in Queensland who does board work. So I, when I get the machine, I just factor in that cost, bundle up the boards and send it to him so then I don't have to worry about it. Because I don't mind board work, but I've chased my tail enough times to know like you, Ron, I do as little as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll do things like... With the Sterns, you can change the jumpers, so it can take two 2732 ROMs instead of four 2716s, so I might do something like that, little little things like that. What's the advantage of that, Ron? Uh, well, instead of four chips, you have two. You've, you've cut in half the amount of chips that can have a problem. Right. Oh, yes. uh, okay. And Got also it. the sockets, usually, if the sockets are bad on the early boards with the beige sockets for the ROMs. It's always yeah, nice right. to get them out of the way. But you get stuck in, uh, Bruce. You must have a good setup then. Do you do um, – now, uh, I, I was I was going to mention later on, where is the Rochester Pinball Collection, Bruce? <laughs> That's <laughs> 349 West Commercial Street in East Rochester, New York, U.S. of A. <laughs> we are at suite number 2965. Uh, we have 3,200 square feet of pinballs and fun and repair area. I'm so jealous. How many machines have you got there? Do you know? 47 in the front area for people to play. Plus, we have probably another 25 in the back to work on and to roll. You know, if we have a problem with the one in the front, we swap out with some games in the back ready to go. How do you keep on top of that many games? Uh, Is it constant maintenance? It is constant maintenance while we're there. Luckily, we're only open two days a week. So that helps a lot. That helps a lot. (laughs) That would help a lot. Absolutely. But But still... You know, it's still, it's still, you know, we have five guys. That's where it really works out and helps out. If it was just one person or two person with 47 games, that's a lot. I don't know how, uh, what's his district 82 does it with 125 games. and It's only him. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Cause I love the idea of a collection. Um, I mean, I've got four games, so, you know, I guess that's Mm -hmm. a collection. Um, but, and I can keep, just keep on top of that. But the idea of having, I mean, how do you go wrong with your collection in your basement? How do you keep on top of it all? I had four games once. I remember <laughs> a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> far, no, far no, away. No need to rub it in. Jeez. So yeah, but how do you go wrong? Do you like, is it constant? It must be constant for you as well. with your games, um, right? Well, it's just me playing them. So it's yeah, not as, as constant, and I'll go in phases where I'm, I'm playing a certain game a lot, and the other ones will kind of be unplayed. I try to make sure I play the EMs at least a few times a week to keep them going. If you don't play them for a long period of time, they will tend to start screwing up. You've got to keep them moving. The other ones you can get away with more. Yes. Oh, really? So EMs in particular, because I guess there's so many moving parts, right? There's so many moving parts, plus they get corrosion. That, you know, the contacts get dirty, so when they get dirty, yeah. less... Less, con- you know, less continuity. Everything like that yes. happens, and you're you're in you're in over your head. After a while, you're going taking apart back apart just to clean the stuff up. With it. Yeah, the more you play them, the more they'll probably continue to work. I know that sounds weird, but yes, <laughs> sounds pretty great to me. 
All right. So in that vein, let's get back to our feature manufacturer. Like, I love these Stern Electronics games, but what is with the build quality of them? Like, they they seem to be built on the cheap. Is that the case for all of them? Woohoo! 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'll use my usual analogy. Just think the, the Stern Electronics games are like the sports car that runs great, but it's made, like, entirely of plastic, and if it hits anything, it will explode. <laughs> You're That's right on. basically everything in it is very light and cheap but because yeah. of that they play fantastic yes i heard you say that quite recently i thought oh, that pricked up my ears so you reckon because of that they can just play like like quicker and faster, and they, faster. Yeah, they, well quicker and faster is the same thing bruce quick no, no it's not <laughs> No, it's not. A quick game, a quick game, and a fast game. You know. Oh, I see. Yeah, there's oh, okay. little differences. There are little you differences. See? You see, Ron? You see what he did there? Nice. No, I, I see what he did there. <laughs> uh, the first time I ever played any of the Stern Electronics games, I, I looked at them and like, oh, it looks like a ballet. Yep. And then you and start playing, it. and Absolutely. it's like, wow, this does not play like a ballet. This is different. This is way different. They just even their wide body games like Cheetah and Big Game play extremely fast. Oh right, of course they're wide bodies, aren't they? Oh yeah, right. And they play faster. They play faster than even the Bally's. Like I have, I've owned four to five wide bodies for Bally's, and a Cheetah or Flight Two Thousand is way faster than all the others. Yeah, that's really interesting. When I got the stars, obviously uh, stripped and cleaned it, and the play field is so light. But the difference between the Gottlieb ones and that, it's quite staggering, really, because they're built like a tank, those things. Oh, yes. The, the Gottliebs are great engineering. Yeah. Unfortunately, but... everything else is bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Countdown is a great game. Oh, yeah. And you it's love Gottlieb Sinbad. spinners. And you love Gottlieb spinners, don't you? Uh, the Gottlieb plastic spinners are some of the worst things they ever came up with, but <laughs> yes. at least they didn't do it for too long. No, that's yeah. right. And we will discuss spinners. I've got questions about that. Just wondering with things like, um, I've noticed with my stars that the cabinet's a bit twisted. Is there anything you can do about that? Like, Because I have to kind of twist it back into place to get the play field to sit right. Can you fix that or is that just something you just deal with? You can fix it. You can actually, if you have a good wood guy in your area, he can probably... You take the play field out of it, you take the head off, and what you'd have to do is actually square it back up. Right. Yeah. You'd have okay. to put all four corners back to where they were, you know, and you can do it, you know, with L braces inside or wood with glue and that kind of stuff. I have a wood guy, luckily, in my area, Vance, who's awesome, and uh, he can do almost anything. And I had a cabinet for a, a safe cracker one time, which was hosed it was twisted i couldn't get the plate field in sometimes putting it down <laughs> yeah right. i gave it i gave it to him for a week he's like come on over next week yeah, it'll be done i'm like really you sure about it oh yeah it'll be done came over next week put the plate down every time after that perfect i'm like what'd you do he's like i just had to chip waste wood twist the cabinet and he uses these big humongous brace bars Right, and to he, get, it he and twists stuff? it and then puts it in and locks it in position and glues it all up again and it was awesome yeah, so right. you can do it. But it sounds like it's a bit of work. <laughs> oh, it's surgery. It's like, yeah, it's like I, and, and like my my big game cabinet, it, it's warped in some fashion because yeah, the right. play field doesn't, when you put it down, the plunger doesn't really align correctly with the, uh, the, yes. the shooter lane and stuff. That so, drives me yeah. nuts, yeah. Yeah, and like my dragon fist, the bottom just completely fell out of it, so I had to glue it back in. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And the pedestal's falling apart, so that's that's the one game that's kind of permanently in its spot. It really can't be moved because it probably would not take the move well. 
And Stern, at some point, when you pull the play field out, the guides that it slides on, they cheaped out on that. It doesn't even go all the way. way. Like on nine ball, there's actually, if you pull it out, it, it will fall into the cabinet. You have to like lift it up oh, and, and no. pull it forward and then lift put it, it down. Yeah. Yeah. Are sunken inserts a um a big problem with Stern Electronics games? Because mine on stars were pretty bad. Is that a general thing be. or it can be on anything of that era. They're using incandescent games turned on for left on just for entire weeks. days, just yeah. left on. Yeah. It's just a ton of heat. You'll find things like an um a nine ball, the insert at the top, the skill shot arrow insert. It's actually a GI bulb, so it's on all the time. And on almost every nine ball, that, that insert's going to be just warped, like just melted. So that's actually literally heating up the insert and shrinking in on itself. Plus Pretty the much. heat where it's stored, and it, you know, it actually wood shrinks and contracts also. Ah, so. uh, yeah, okay, sure. I attempted the insert thing where you heat it up with a hairdryer, you tap it out, and you sand it down. Is that yep. the method that you guys use? Would that be the thing? I hope I did the right thing. <laughs> That's how I do it, yes. And I've yeah. actually done it for rollovers also, where you can actually pop out the old rollovers, put new ones in. Do you do that often? Like, Do you, do you just deal mostly with inserts? or When I need to, when it gets annoying. Yeah. Some games I have bad inserts, and I'm not going to you know, lie and say, like, oh, I fixed everyone now. Because it's a big job. Oh, it's a humongous job. But my hot tip right now, I have an EM hot tip and some of the inserts oh, are yeah, right on. sunken in. And I just go, okay, yep, yeah, that's going to be it. It's going to stay that <laughs> way. And that's all it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, my cosmic oh, well. princess that I had for a while was like that. And I was just like, oh, you know what? That's just the deal. That's all part of the fun. See, now, if you had that game up here, that's the game you'd be making money on. Yeah. Since, since we didn't get that game. Super rare cosmic princess. Yeah, that's right. I just did a podcast on it quite recently, and it is actually rare. You made me laugh when you were talking about the eBay listings the other day on your podcast, because of course, like everyone says, oh, super rare, and there's like thousands of them. But yeah, they made like 320 or something of those and sent them all down to Australia. It boggles yep, my mind. Yeah. I've got no idea who designed it, no idea who did the art. It was um just a bit of a mystery that one. Uh, I tell you right now, I I think it's well, all it was, I, well, it was outsourced. Yeah, it was outsourced. They used like the stern yeah. parts. Yeah, they sent the playfield and the ca- and the back glass down, and they had to find yeah. a cabin in that locally. I have played one, so yeah. So I, actually, I, 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 I played a couple. Yeah, and you uh, were fair to middling about it from memory. I reckon I heard you on the Silver Ball Chronicles, and you thought it was okay. It was okay. Treated yeah. me well <laughs> in the not, tournament that wow, I was in, but it, it's definitely rare. The thing I had trouble with which drives me nuts and I'm having trouble with stars now is finding parts for them. The plunger in particular, do you guys have trouble finding parts for these games? The plunger mechanism, I couldn't get right on the cosmic princess. I bought one of the beehive shooter housings and it just didn't fit in properly. Didn't ever work properly. was always really weak. Do you have trouble with parts for those? The problem is if you don't have the right shooter rod itself, that's the problem yeah, also. Exactly. You can't hit up all the way. So, you can't they don't get those make, either, I don't think. You can't yeah. get the stern one, so you have to get a Gottlieb one. Or a Bally one. A I've Bally seen a pointer on it, yes. Like yeah. I so, okay, so you can replace them with either Bally or Gottlieb Sometimes, ones, yeah, if you get lucky enough, you can get the longer Gottliebs and cut it down and then make the groove for your E-clip, and then you'll be, you'll be closer to what it is. Uh, but, you know, the yeah. beehives are all available now. When, when I first started... Even, you know, comparing like five or six years ago when we started doing this, I started doing the Sterns, there's a lot more stuff out there now than there was five years ago. It actually kind of sucked. Yeah, yeah, I bet it did. Yeah, you couldn't get the correct flipper bats. 
So no. you were forced to use most people would use valley flipper bats. They yep. look the same, but they're not. Not the uh, the sterns are a little narrower. They get narrower at the tip. They're different. They're pointier. Um, and with yeah. like stars, where you're you'll be hurting if you're missing things like something with the chime box is missing. Yes. Then, then, then you're going to be in a world of pain because you can't get that stuff. You're going to have no. to find it, a used, used one somewhere. Or, or I had that issue. Another part of the Stern Electronics games is their chimes are very tinny and crappy sounding. It's kind of their charm. They, they, as soon as you hear it, it's like, oh, that's a Stern. You, you just know immediately that's a Stern. You can tell. For some reason, instead of like a plastic with the chimes on it, which the other manufacturers use, they use like a piece of wood. That just yeah, it, that disintegrates yeah. it like it destroys itself over time, <laughs> and and plus it's a, what's it's four chimes instead of three, which the other ones use three chimes. Yes, um, actually, with stars, what are the two times that you will hear the fourth chime bar go off? When you, I know, I know exactly when. Not you, not you. <laughs> <laughs> well, one I'll give you is you start a game. The little tune it plays, it uses it, but. During yes. gameplay, there's only one time it uses it. And is that when you get thousands? It's when you get a special. When you get special, when you hit 100,000. Oh, oh is that right? right? Yeah, that's the only time you hear it. But on mine, it had a Gottlieb chime box in it when I got it. Oh. And it had all this weird wiring oh, stuff because the, the fourth chime isn't there. So it had wires just kind of hanging off. And I had no clue. I'm looking at like, I didn't even know something was wrong until I started seeing pictures. Like, wait a minute. That's not the right chime unit. So I had to go out on eBay over the course of a few months before I was finally able to assemble one, get one, get all the parts for it. So did you buy separate parts to put that together? Yeah, I had to. Like someone had it, but it only had three of the chimes. So I got that one. But then another person had one that had all four. So I got both of those. Bruce just got one at a show because nobody knew what it was. So he got it for God knows how cheap. $25, Allentown. $25. $25 in Allentown what? because they did probably didn't know what it was. It's just a chime unit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. a certain chime unit that you can't get these anymore. So, yeah. And I've only just discovered that myself, actually. I missed out. Uh, there was some local guy selling one um, probably about three months ago or something. And I saw it. I went, oh, that's interesting. And then I reckon over the next couple of days, I was doing research and I realized how rare they were. So, yeah, I, it'd be impo- almost impossible to find them over yeah, here, oh, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Unless you got lucky enough where somebody was, you know, just parting out a house game, you know, that was rotted away or something or got, you know, attacked by a koala bear, you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Kicked by a kangaroo. <laughs> Pecked by a galah. Oh, yeah, man. It's all over here. <laughs> well, all right, let's look back a bit. Let's talk about spinners. Now, I know you guys are particularly invested. I know I've heard you talk about it, Ron, at length about spinners. Now, I think build quality gripes aside – Stern Electronics seem to have kind of the best spinners. Do you rate them above most other games? They're the best spinners I've dealt with. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why. Uh, it's were, probably a little bit of the weight and the lightness. Yeah, I think they were a little you know? uh, Well, the light, I thought they were heavier. They are heavier, I but I guess you get, you get some momentum yeah. going, so it keeps on Weight distribution. I, I don't know what the secret is, but for whatever reason... Well, plus the fact that Stern believed in putting at least one spinner like in every single game. So the the classic Stern games, you're always going to see spinners in them. Some of them are just ridiculous. On my Quicksilver, you know, 80, 90 spins at a rip is not, is not, you know, unusual. So 
how <laughs> I, I was gonna <laughs> I had a note here to <laughs> to pull you up on you saying um uh, one of your spinners was 43 times, but you're saying 80 or 90 spins. Yeah, I think 40 was the meteor. That's one of the weaker spinners I have. Yeah, my spe- my meteor oh one's God. weaker too, but, you know. Because that's, that's all the way up to play field. I think that's a little harder to get that going. But on, on games that I actually have spin counters where I can tell how many they go, uh, I, Dragon Fist used to be the king. It had a cheating one. It had I had 99 spins, but that was basically a double hit. You hit it. It's spinning, it's slowing down, you hit it just right again, so it keeps the spinner counter going. So that doesn't really count. Yeah, the most legit one on Stragonfist I had was 70. But then Quicksilver came into the picture and just destroyed all of them. So there's a spinner counter. Where is that? Uh, I've never seen that before. Where is that? See, that's, that's, custom, that's, that's custom software. And that's Scott's. And that's I Scott see, right. That, so. Oh, right, so okay. When you hit the spinner, you actually, where the match is, it spins... It's been yeah. ah, to right. and it stays there for like three to four seconds. So you can look at it yeah. and then it disappears. Yeah. And then in the high score right. table, when it flashes the high scores, it'll, the fourth player display will show this spinner record. Mm-hmm. Now Quicksilver, it'll show oh, both wow. spinners. Yeah, right. It'll show both, both totals for left and right spinner. Which is cool. That's heaps of fun. Yeah, because I was wondering how you count it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure it out the other night when I was playing styles. I was like, how am I going to count yeah, the spins? Yeah, it's, it's only right, easy okay, to count that's... yourself if it's really bad. Like, yeah, that only spun like three times. Yeah. That spun like four <laughs> times. That's when you can count them. <laughs> I can count to five, yeah. that's for sure. So do all the elect- stone electronic spinners have the potential to be as fast as Quicksilver, or do you think it's just the way that particular one is position positioned? On the a yeah, position. Position. You're not going to get... Like something like Stargazer that has three spinners, the one at the very top is never going to spin quite as fast as the other two, yep. just because it's way up at the top. Yep. Right, so the harder you can yep. hit it. Yeah, okay. What are your basics with spinners? What do you need to do at the very minimum, do you think, to get them absolutely Okay, humming? so, okay, you want to get a spinner humming. First thing you do, take the spinner out of the game. Is it broken? Just pull around on the, the metal. Sometimes it gets broken inside. So it doesn't matter what you do. It's always, it's never going to ah. spin quite as good as it, it can. And if it's broken, then right. you're kind of screwed unless you can find a used one somewhere. I mean, you can't, <laughs> typically, like, I, I will stock up on spinners. Whenever mm-hmm. I see them. Yeah, whenever we see them. So, so oh, if right you're I. at a show and they got a parts thing and they got a bunch of used spinners there, you just go through them like, oh, there's one. Grab it. Just get it. Yeah, right on. Then I will, you just sand them. The metal part. Because usually there'll be paint and crap on it. Just sand it all off. Sand it so it's totally smooth. So the uh, the Because yeah, yeah. the... a lot of times yeah. they'll have gunk on them and they'll have paint sometimes that will come off. It, it just You want yeah. it to be metal. You just, it, just get right down to the metal. It should be smooth to the touch. Then when you right install it, you add a little... Um, I don't know what they have in Australia, but here it's just like a tube of Teflon lube. Yeah, I managed to get some Zoom (laughs) There it is Excellent Bruce, thank you Um, I got some Zoom Spout It's like a really low viscosity oil And it's going to last me for the next 10 years So Laco Zoom Spout Oiler I just got it on eBay The Teflon is good because it won't won't solidify over time It's just going to Yes, I think so. And you don't have to put like I got a tube when I got into the hobby You know (laughs) Very good (laughs) Years ago, I'm on the same tube. Like you'll never. He still hasn't used it. That's sad. I'm on the same tube <laughs> yeah, of lube. Keep going. Keep going, Bruce. Okay. 
<laughs> Good rhyming okay. too. I like it. So, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to put much on. You want it wherever there's metal to metal contact, so where it's going through the hole, where it's making contact with the bracket that it's actually mounted in. The other thing yep. that makes the spinners of that era so good is that underneath the play field where the actual switch is, it's a leaf switch. It's not yes. a micro switch. The leaf switch is always going to be better because there's w- yeah, less right resistance in the micro switch. Well, so, so, uh, don't forget optos. Optos well, are well, definitely I, Optos better. are the best, but we'll, you know, yeah, the optos don't exist yeah. in those games, Bruce, at all. I know. Well, I, I heard somebody's actually converting one game, too. Ah, so, wow. Imagine that. An old Stern Electronics game where someone converts to an opto spinner. That would be insane. Yes. The leaf switch itself adjusted properly. You, you want to minimize the resistance. You want it so that it just touches the other arm, the other switch arm, and moves it just a little bit. Just a yeah. slight wiping motion then comes off yes. it. You want the least amount, because as soon as it hits the other arm, that's more resistance. So you want to minimize that as much as possible. And a lot of times the, the switches will get flaky. So there's this other stuff I use that I don't have it in front of me. It's like contact cleaner stuff, but it's it's red. And what is it called? Deoxit? I think yeah, it's something deoxid. called it. Yeah, deoxid. deoxid. So okay. you just so for cleaning the yeah contacts. you just put it on like um, a business card like index paper and you just rub it on the switch <sighs> in the contacts wow <laughs> and then when you 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 work it you have to work it in because it will actually make it worse It'll work it in Bruce. it'll make it worse before it makes it'll it make better it yes. yeah uh, oh, I can't, it, oh really it'll actually register worse and then just keep keep actuating the switch over and over and over and over and over and then it will go from not really working to always working like never failing and then you're good well so is that like a chemical reaction that it needs time to settle in i don't know but i know it works yeah right i'm not i'm not super technical (laughs) people think i am for some reason it's just like i just don't know why they think that (laughs) (laughs) it, it works on like anything with a leaf switch we Somebody I know with their Simpsons pinball party had like three problem switches that were just intermittently work. We put that crap on it. Boom. Totally fixed. Works great. Amazing. Whenever I've dealt with a spinner, someone's already attempted to fix it and they're all over the place, twisted. And do they, should they be flat, flat dead flat yes. against each flat other? For, well, start flat and then you can work your way into it and adjust to what you need to. The problem is everyone's, as you said, twisted it, turned it any which way but loose. Yeah. It might work. It might not yeah. work. Just get it back to what it looks straight. Then yeah. spin I, it and see it, what happens. And I find you, you want to use the original switch if you can because they're – I don't even know if they make them the right way because the, the arm – there's like the really long arm that's attached to the spinner, the the actual rod. Yeah. And then there's the other parts. What's, I'm using the wrong terminology here. What are they called? <laughs> Matt, oh, man. Oh, whatever. The, the leaf blades? The, blades. the long blade, it's easily bendable. It's very thin and flimsy, yeah. and you want it that way because, yeah. again, less resistance and you can kind of move it however you want. But you can spend an, a ridiculous amount of time trying to adjust a spinner because then there's also where the, the leaf switch itself is screwed into the play field. You can usually loosen it a little bit and move it right or left, and that could be the difference between getting it right. like perfect and having it not spin as good. My Alien Star spinner I screwed with for a good hour before I, I was somewhat <laughs> yeah, happy with it. <laughs> And then also when you have a good spinner, you want to make sure it's balanced vertically up and down, no tilting forward or tilting back. And what you do with that is you're literally bending the arms while it's in the holder, left, right, up, down. Oh, while it's in the holder. While it's in the holder. So you can actually try to make it so it's straight. Now, eventually, even with stern ones, they will bend out and they'll start flopping down. All you got to go do is try to bend it. Don't go too far. 
you might break the arm and then you're going to be going, why me? You want to do it fully easily. <laughs> oh, I know. Because they're a bit fragile, aren't they? Yeah, it's light. As Ron said, it's light parts. Yeah, and if you own a Johnny Mnemonic, bless you trying to get that spinner to be balanced. <laughs> right, okay. So that's a, is that, that's a Williams game? Yes. That's, and it's got a okay. weird spinner. It's got a custom spinner. Oh, really? Yes, that's a circle. That's a circle. And it, they oh, notoriously right. will do the thing where they're not vertical anymore. They're just like facing you. Like the ball just goes underneath and doesn't even hit the spinner. <laughs> so you want them straight. Is that what you're saying there? Well, sometimes you don't. You're actually sometimes bending them crooked to fit and sit straight. Oh, sorry. I mean, yeah, I mean the actual face of the spinner itself. Does that want to be You want to be vertical. vertical. You want to be straight. Yeah. You want to be at so 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock, yes. Yeah, yeah. simple as that. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes you, you can actually take the, um, the, the blade underneath the play field and maybe add a little tension to it so it pulls down on the spinner slightly. That will help make it vertical. Yeah, right. That's another thing you could do. And as you were saying before, the way God leaves spinners <laughs> for the system ones just don't aren't anywhere near Suck. as good. <laughs> they came back though. They they, oh, they, they got rid of that phase. You know, their their oh, later I'm... spinners are quite good. Yeah, right. Because I must admit I got a bit of a lubrication on my Godly Sinbad spinner and played with it a bit and it was definitely twenty times better, but it was nowhere near like what the stars does, that's for sure. It got up to like ten spins maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's to be fair, that's probably what I did. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to our feature machine. Now, I have to be really quite selective with my collection because I've got a fairly small collection, but and I pay very careful attention to podcasts and common threads that I hear throughout the pinball community. And the genuine affection you guys both have for stars is extremely clear. To quote, I think it was episode 187 of the Slam Tilt podcast, you were asked by your guests, what was your favorite game? And Bruce, without hesitation, you said stars straight away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that still the case? Oh, yeah. It's it's easily stars. But it depends on what mood I'm in also. Like if Absolutely. I want a storytelling game, I'll go to Lord of the Rings. I'll go to something else yeah. and, you know, have that kind of game. But if I want something to kick me in the nuts <laughs> and make me want to hit the start button again and again and again, it's going to be stars. Yeah. So if sure. you want to play for an hour, you go to Lord of the Rings. If you want a more reasonable game, you go to stars. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just. I also like the fact that you can, uh, with these sort of games, you can play music as well. You can play your own music in the background because, I mean, I've got my, I've got a whirlwind, and I love that game. But you don't exactly listen to music at the same time, and that seems long to me now compared to Stars because Stars, you're in, you're out, you know. <laughs> yep, I totally agree with you. Before we talk about strategy and rules, I wouldn't mind picking your brains about setting up machines. I'd like to get it back to the point of how the designer intended the game to play, and so getting everything humming like with inserts and cleaning and all that sort of jazz so how do you guys approach repair and restoration do you look to get it back to that point or do you just get it a good working game it all depends on what you have as your base bones first i'm lucky enough to have nos play fields for like my stars my cheetah and that kind of stuff so in my mind i'll deal with my play field the way it is right now because guess what i have a clear-coated one ready to go when i want to swap it out yeah, right on. But if you're at home and you, you know, you, you, it's the only play field you got, you want to do this. It all depends. It depends on how much it really bugs you. Because yeah. if you're going to be anal like Ron, it's going to bug hey. you. It, am I right <laughs> or wrong? I was lucky in that my base 
first stars was good. I mean, sure okay, it had. So is mine. I have I have one wear spot from a flipper. Yeah, it had the wrong. Like I said, it had the wrong chime unit in it. But I mean, the back glass is absolute crap. But oh, yeah. they are in a lot of stars. To be honest, I have but, an NOS one. Yes, of course you do. So, <laughs> but the play field was was in pretty good shape. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, so you you go for that. But if you if you're worried about the inserts and that kind of stuff. Guess what? You, you're going to want to fix it. But if you can live with it, because guess what? The way I look at it is this. When you go on anybody else's game, do you think the insert's going to be perfect? Most likely not. So no, you're going to be you playing get used it. To it huh? gonna, yeah. You get used to it. You're going to be playing the same game from the same person. You know, if you get one that's got an NOS play field, you're like, oh, wow, this plays like it should have been when it was new. But 99% of the time, you're going, yeah, this is what it is. Just play it. Play the game. Enjoy it. Hey, if you make it play fast enough, you won't even notice the cupped inserts. Exactly. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Seven degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask about that because I got in touch with Bruce before. The playfield pitch seems like a bit of a mystery to me. If it's not in the manual, because I'm assuming if it's in the manual, I guess that's what the designer and manufacturer intended for it to be at. I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want. There's nothing in the manual about stars. And I asked about what your incline was and you said it was what, 7.6. That seems really, really steep. Is that normal for games like that you have? Basically any stern of that era, there are three inch levelers, crank them up. The bottom is all the way down. And some people go even more all out. They might put a like two by <laughs> yeah, four or right. something underneath <laughs> the game. Like even that's like, not fast enough for them. So that's that's how I have all my old cerns. No, I'm the same way. I, I have them so they're you know three inch levers in the back. You know, just a lever in the front with no nut in between the leg and the leveler itself. It's all the right, way down. Right, taking that off. Okay. And yeah, right. I want it fast. I yeah, it it's fast. not. That much of a science. It basically, in at least in my collection, if it's a solid state era game, it's going to be cranked all the way. Right, up. simple as that. That's just the way. Once we get to the Williams like '90s games, and maybe it's a little different. It depends. In the Stern yeah, games, yeah. so, well, you go more than that, but yeah, that's where they wanted it. Like Williams would tell you, six point yeah. five Stern, six point five. All the new games are like for the last twenty five, thirty years. They'll tell you six point five degrees, but. I don't think I have anything in my my collection. It's at six point five degrees. So, and don't forget, you, if you're gonna rake it up, you have to worry about a couple other things. You got to worry about first, are your flippers strong enough to get all the way back up top? So you got to make sure uh, everything is in good humming order for. But just that's another it up. great thing about the old Stearns. You can crank them up, and the flippers still will have no issues getting up to the top whatsoever. Especially my sea witch. <laughs> just quickly, an aside: I replaced my cabinet switches for my stars. And that's a good thing. Yeah, right on. Okay. Is that something you guys normally do when you do a flipper rebuild? Do you always replace the cabinet switches or do you just deal with the old ones? I, it all depends if they're pitted. If they're pitted, yeah, it if, depends how bad they are. Yeah. Like, I've had them where you could barely see the, the nubs on the switches. They're like so totally worn away. It's like, well, yeah. yeah. The thing you got to watch out for is at least I found with the cabinet switches, the switches they sell now are not always the best. Like I got a, I got a, some cabinet switches where literally the, the nub fell off of it. <laughs> yeah, like right. Almost immediately. What, what I do with the cabinet switches, I'll put it in and before I even solder it, I'll just slam the flipper button like a hundred times in a row to make sure that switch is good. Yeah, right. It's not going to fall apart. But you do notice you get more power when you do replace because it's got a better contact. Right. Powers going through it, going through the relay, everything like that. It, it all helps. Yeah, well, I got some cabinet switches recently, and instead of an actual like round contact, it was like if you're crossing swords. So each contact had 
a thin line mm. and they get stuck. Have you ever come across those before? No, that's weird. That no, sounds like that's a weird. What the hell's that? Yeah, I get mine from um, Pinball Marco. Resource. I get mine from Marco. Marco, yeah, I get mine from Pinball yeah, Resource. Yeah, right. So we've got so. a couple of local ones. I think I found them quite difficult to find locally, and this was from another company who I won't necessarily say, but I think they get theirs from somewhere in the US because it takes like two months to get the parts. But I've never seen one like that mm. before. Like they're rubbish because they get, yeah, they get stuck. Yeah, usually they'll only stick when they're starting to just burn together. <laughs> yeah, so. okay, right. They're actually fusing. They're actually yeah. fusing together. <laughs> oh, good. Um, also, what you were saying is interesting about the leg levelers because I heard Keith Elwin mention that you don't necessarily make a game harder by making the pitch higher, which is what I always thought because if he said, I think... That's true. Yeah, because he yes. said about Godzilla, yeah. they asked him, like, what should the playfield pitch be? And he didn't really want to say. He said, if you're getting too many outlane drains, then your pitch isn't high enough. Have you had that experience as well? He's talking about the newer games. If people really crank the thing right. up to, like, you know, seven... Eight. Wow. Okay. It's so raked that you get no side to side motion at all. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. So it actually makes the game easier. Yes. Oh, okay. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, but I'm sure even Keith would agree on a stars crank it all the way up. Yeah. I'm sure he would be all out for that. But, But for the newer games where you can really crank them up. Yeah. It does make them easier. It is crazy that you could play a stars and it has stronger slings than a game made this year. Yeah, that's... That's kind of crazy. I know, that is. That's just insane. When you think about it that way. And what I thought was interesting with the stars, when I pulled it all apart, there was only like two metal guide rails or something like i was amazed at the economy of parts on that game as well well steve kirk took crap for that game because yes how many pop-ups i wanted to bring that have? up too <laughs> one. just one i know and and when when he did that they were like what you, you can't just have one <laughs> pop-upper and they got on it for that and he was pissed he was like okay wait a minute i'm, I'm literally making the game cheaper and has less parts in it and you're st- you're gonna get on my case for that Also, regarding Steve Kirk, something obviously defines the gameplay of this is having the Kirk post, the center post. Was this a Steve Kirk invention or has it happened before? I think he just took the name. I think he took the name. (laughs) Well, within the industry, they started referring to it as the Kirk post. And before he even designed games, when he, I think he did some operating of games, he he would actually add the post to certain games. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those deals where it's unlikely he was the first, but he definitely made it his thing. All right, so let's talk about gameplay, shall we? Let's talk about the actual machine. Um, the first thing, is there a skill shot? I don't this, uh, this uh, from what I've gathered, there's kind of what I like to call the best plunge policy. But there's it's not there's not really a skill shot, is there? No, there's not a skill shot. But uh, the plunge is very important to try to get one of the stars up top, or maybe even two. Right, that's what I kind of thought. Yeah, yeah don't soft don't soft plunge. That never works. Yeah, never works. That, that you put yourself in danger immediately. Yeah, yeah, right. With no progress on anything. And I did notice the other day there's a 500 rollover target up the top as well. Mm-hmm. I guess you could attempt to get that as well. But right, so that's what I wanted. So it's about the star, getting the stars up the top, at least getting one or two. You're getting the stars and the rollover. That increases your bonus. It does increase your bonus also. Oh, of course it does. So you want a good working pop-upper. Yes. Yes. 
Absolutely. As far as the overall gameplay as well, Star doesn't really have an exploit, does it? Doesn't have a thing that you can do over and over again. Let's put it this way. When we talk about, like, Scott, the guy who does all the custom code for all these sterns, for Stars, he didn't do anything. He never changed any of the rules because oh, really? it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. That's v- Perfect. Very, very t- <laughs> That's very, very telling indeed. So I guess there's the two main strategies from what I can deduce is getting the stars and juicing up the spinner, or you can go for the drop targets. That's kind of the two main facets of this game? No, there's another facet you're totally forgetting about. Oh, what's, what are we forgetting about, Bruce? Cause the stars I've... themselves. The stars, what? the targets. You got to go for the drop targets, the stars, or the spinners. But the thing is, you, you're saying you're going for the stars to juice the spinner, but you're going for the stars also for the stars for the for the roving shot. So there is multiple facets uh, to that. Okay. Uh, don't don't listen to Bruce. Basically, yeah, you're doing those two <laughs> things because if you get all the stars, it lights the roving star for special. Yes, but if you go I for the say, drop targets, right. you go for the three three rounds, and then you get the special. And that you can get multiple times. With a special at home, do you guys set that for a points or do you just leave it on credit? Points. 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 Yeah, okay. And you could also turn it off. I mean, you could do it so yeah. you don't get anything. Most places will either have one special per ball or they'll have it uh, unlimited specials. Yes. Oh, okay, right. So if you for, set for it, points. I guess it's a pretty so big So it's like, 100, like 100K like over and over and over again. So what do you set your stars special to? Do you know offhand? Well, mine, the best score I have in any game I own to me <gasps> is I have about 472,000 on stars. Oh, wow. And that That's was very done. Good score. No extra balls. And I had specials off back then. Right. Wow. Okay. A Since real then, score. <laughs> I, have, I have specials on, which is 100, you know, 100K, 100K, one special okay. per ball. And I still have have yet to beat that in like six or seven years. It's still the 462. <laughs> and I've had multiple tournaments where people play the hell out of stars with the specials on and still no one has beat the 462. I, I totally agree with that idea. I Because I had Sinbad at my bar for five or six years. And to be fair, that was a solid game, man. And, you know, I had it on like it was a dollar for nine balls, right? Because <laughs> I didn't have a different coin mix. So I was probably the cheapest pinball machine in the state. But it's such a hard game. And it was on three balls, and I've uh, I got almost I think nine twenty or something one fine day, and I brought it home, put it on five balls with a ball save. I can get nowhere near any of those top scores. <laughs> Just the way pinball yeah. works, right? All right. Well, let's talk about the stars themselves then. Do you? Uh, I'd be interested to know about strategies for the different stars. If that's not getting too deep into the weeds. Well, there's five stars. One is spotted at the beginning of every ball, and it's random. Yes, that's right. So yep. you hope that it spots the white one, because that's the hardest yes. one to get. The one okay. by the pop bumper on the left side, and it's at a weird angle where it's not really facing the pop bumper. It's no, which makes it, it you'll pop, you'll use the pop bumper and hit the thing like a bunch of times, and it's like, why isn't it working? Yes, right. It's never where you think it is. I yeah, ignore the two bottom ones. Yeah, the two bottom yeah. ones you usually ignore because a sling will probably get one of them for so you. So the pink and yellow stars. So, yeah, if, the, if you've got one of those to go, you don't actively ever go for them, do you? Because they're That's uh, a deep-bowed in thoughts. Mm, if I have just that one to go, I'll probably go for it. 
Yeah. If it's just if it's the last one. I've found that on mine, sometimes I've hit one and it's rolled over the other side of the, the play field and hit the other one on the way through. That's not a common thing. That just must be an anomaly, I would imagine. Yeah, well, you, hit, you hit one and it bounces over and hits the other one? So Sorry, so you've got the pink and yellow stars, which are you know middle of the play field, left and right. What I love about stars too is they're slightly offset, so they're not quite even either. But I've hit one star on the left-hand side and the ball's rolled across the other side of the play field and hit the other star on the right-hand side yeah. of the play field. That's impressive. Yeah, I've never seen that. No, I can't. That is an anomaly. <laughs> okay. That must be uh, gravity's different in Australia, I think. Yeah, you don't forget the ball, the ball does rotate wrong down there. <laughs> yeah, it rotates the opposite way, I think so, Spins yeah. Down the dr- <laughs> and I wanted to ask, is, is there an official term? Is it a bank shot when you ricochet it off a pop bumper to hit a star? Is that? I just call it a kick off the sling, off the, off the yeah. bumper. That's all I would say. I would consider a bank shot is, well, use another Steve Kirk game, um, nine ball. Yeah, it actually, right I think it's called bank shot on that. It, you hit the where where the spinner is on the right is. side. It's just the, the way it's shaped. It's like a, I don't know what you would call it. It's like a corner, like a yes. V. If you hit it in the right spot, it will bounce off that and go into the lock on the upper left. I would consider that more of a bank shot. You're right. banking gotcha. something off of something to hit something. Yeah. So the only way to get that white star is obviously by using the pop bumper action up the top or you can get it from the spinner if you go up the spinner and then hopefully up there it just kicks around and does that too so thus yes. hitting the pop upper and doing what he said yes yeah i know but if you get a spinner <laughs> and you go a weak spinner you can sometimes just drop right into it also you can't yeah, just right like on. plunge okay okay that's a wonderful arc and so then we've got the green star so the top right hand side of the pop bumper that you can actually shoot from i think on mine i can shoot from both flippers but yeah you can, it's hard. Yeah, would you backhand it with the right flipper or do the left? What would be your preference there? Left. I use the left. for. I use the left for both of those up there. Yeah, I try to also. Mine tends to not register all the time. I've messed with the switch. Is that just a byproduct of maybe an older switch? Does it register quite easily when you hit it? It could be the switch or if you still have your cap on yours. Yeah. Do they have the capacitors on all the, the stand-ups or the stars? Uh, trying to remember. I don't know. Basically, the capacitor, they wear out over time. They're on there originally to make it register better on quick hits. Mm-hmm. But when right. they go bad, they actually do worse. Yeah, when they go bad, it'll oh. make it start to not register. And then you cut it off, and then it'll start to register again. So, yeah, oh, so you can just get rid of it? You don't have to replace it? You can do uh, both. You can either do either or. Well, you can't do both. You can do either well, you can, or. No, you can get rid of it, or you can replace it. That's yeah. what you can do, either or. So it yeah. doesn't matter either way. Well, technically, if if you replace it with a new capacitor, that would be the Ideal. optimal just because it'll have a quicker – it'll be able to detect quicker hits. Does the capacitor facilitate the connection? How does that work then? Is that sending a quicker electrical signal through or something? It's actually extending you know, the capacitor. When you're contacting it, capacitor is actually building it up more, a little bit more, so it's actually getting through better. So when, oh. when your capacitor goes worse – gets bad it's not doing as fast it's not doing anything it's actually almost like a short almost like it's like a dead part so when you're you're saying bruce it's like extending the length of the signal the pulse of the pulse which is allowing the the 1980s board technology to detect it better yes (laughs) it's basically what it boils down to it's voodoo it's voodoo you gotta know about this voodoo and they would tend to put those on things like the stand-ups uh pop-uppers so if you have, have you ever played a game where you you lower your flipper, you release the flipper button, and your pop bumper goes off for no reason? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That is basically the capacitors starting to go bad on the pop bumper and the EMF from right. the you releasing the flipper button actually makes the pop bumper pop. Oh, right. I didn't know that either. <laughs> Someone told me that. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Because I've totally come across that before. It's just like, oh, Gremlin's in the game. What do you do? But I'm um, so with capacitors, do you change them? Do you just wait for them to fail? If it annoys uh, me enough, I'll cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it depends on what, how good a job you want to do. It sounds like you are on the more anal side, so you may want to replace them. <laughs> I appreciate that. I am. Have you done it to your stars, Ron, out of interest? Have you replaced all the capacitors? I, I have not because I haven't had any issues with anything not working. Okay. But like, I have, yeah. I have done that on my big game. The rollovers were not working. Right, so okay. I actually re- I replaced the capacitors on the rollovers, and now they all work much better. Right. So. Yeah. That was not even they on the radar. They were very so. flaky before. Now they're working much better. Obviously, for the sound of things, you guys don't have any trouble registering that green target. It generally gets it all the time. No. And the, the other thing to remember is when you have uh, – how many games do I have, Bruce? 36. 36. I have 36. So when you have 36 games, you yeah. gotta you got to pick and choose what you want to fix or what you want to be anal about. If you have like yeah. four games, like is that what yeah. you said <laughs> you have, then yeah. Yep. I, I, I yep. know the feeling. When I had – Four games, every little tiny thing would just have to be perfect or fixed immediately. You, you now, get less also, picky. With a switch, you want to make sure it's vertically aligned also. So the contacts are right on top of each other. If it's tilted a little bit over left or right, you could have a problem there also. Yeah, the actual stand-up itself. Sometimes you're, you're better off just actually unscrewing it from the bottom and taking it out and looking at it and, and doing it that way. Trying to adjust it when it's in place is a pain in the ass sometimes. Yeah, no, I did actually take it out. I've done it a couple of times. I'm still not happy. So it might be the capacitor thing. That's that's interesting. But, yeah, I, I totally <laughs> – I get it. And that's why I prefaced it with my four games because when you get 30-something games, I mean, I don't even know how you do it. I don't even know how you keep on top of it. So. But in theory, it should register when you're hitting it. So if it's not doing okay. that regularly, there's something that should be fixed probably. I would check, you know, make sure when you go into switch test and you're hitting it. If it's not registering in switch test, then you know it's not getting the CPU. So then you have one of multiple possibilities. It could be a bad capacitor, bad switch, bad wire, bad connector. Or if it's an original MPU board, it could be a bad solder joint on the back of the, on the, on the male side of the pins. Yeah, so there's right. a lot of different things. Go, go for the easy one. It's probably just a dirty yes. switch. It usually is. Now, the red star. Okay, the red star we've got on the right-hand side, just a little bit lower. It's kind of snuck up behind on the other side of the shooter lane. That's just a – seems to be left flipper shot. Is that what you yes. guys usually use for oh, that yeah. one, straight up? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't, hit, I don't hit either of those from the right flipper. I never even tried to backhand that. Do you hit the spinner if you haven't got all the stars? Do you oh, go yeah. for that shot? Oh, yeah, always. That's points. It's points it's like, and it gets it it gets it back up to the top of the play field. You go over the rollover, more bonus. Yeah. You know, it's, it's there's no reason the not to hit a spinner. <laughs> yeah, and it's away from the bottom where you're gonna drain. You can't drain when it's up there. You got uh, it. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And it's funny with a wide open play field. It seems like it'd be easier, but it sure isn't. Um yeah, because I get the urge not I'm like, oh one star away. I'd rather get that star before I shoot the spinner. But you're saying you're probably better off shooting the spinner, getting it to the back of the play field and seeing what happens. The thing is, me and Bruce play stars differently. That's, yes, okay. that's another thing that shows what an awesome game it is. There isn't a yes. single one way. Like, I do more of the drop target strategy. Bruce is a I go for all the stars guy. 
I was going to ask that question actually. Wow. Okay. So when you walk up to it, that's how you approach it. You take it different yeah. ways. That's interesting. Yep. Yeah. He takes the far more dangerous strategy. Than <laughs> <I>. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel like the stars is the, yeah, the mugs game. That's great, Bruce. Because I, I go for that sometimes as well. And that's a tough route to take, I reckon. It is. Uh, but the way I look at it is if I can't hit the top upper star and I'm having, or if like one's not registering good, let's say if it's another game I'm on, then you have to switch up your your strategies, or absolutely, if or if you're bricking on like some of the you know new new people who are going into stars and they replace their stars targets and they start bricking, you're like, oh, okay, not doing drop targets, gonna go this way, you know. So you yeah. have to always adapt. Do you find that's a general rule of pinball? If something something's not working, just change your tact, or do you just persist? It all depends on what tact you're trying to do. Like if you're trying to get in the multi ball and you're trying to hit the shot for World Cup soccer and and you keep on bricking it or you keep on missing it, guess what you have to do? You got to keep a, on trying. That's a great example. That's like <laughs> right one on. of the few games I could think of. It's like, what else are you going to do? You have to get it to, to go in yeah, that, right. that, that scoop <laughs> at some point. Yeah. It's not going to give you a free multi-ball. You have to get it. An exercise in persistence with that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Oh, I guess it's like whirlwind too. The jackpot shot. You got to get the jackpot shot. You, you gotta just got to keep it. on trying, man. Yep. All right, well, let's talk about the drop targets then. Now, this is, oh, this gets me fired up. This is one of the most, I've never come across such a um, diverse rule set for drop targets. Is this common with Stern Electronics games or is this just uh, unique to the stars? Oh, no. Stern was. Oh, they did. Yeah. They did a lot of wackier stuff with drop targets. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I mean, Stargazer has the, you the, the top bank, it locks in the value of the spinner, but if you complete the bank, then it starts strobing again. And it gives you that points for that, that where you stop. It does that stuff also. like that. But yeah, on stars, it's pretty unique in that it, it's pretty complicated, shot, really. The way they did that. Basically, if you hit, what is it, a target down in both banks, it increases the value of the yeah. spinner. Yep. But if you complete it and it goes back down on the left side. Yeah, left hand side. Yes. So the the spinner located between the two banks of drop targets. So sorry, how do you like that? So you hit one drop target on one side, on either side, right. left or right, it will light one light. If you hit one drop target on each side, it will light both lights. Does it matter if it's a red or it, a green one? No. Okay. Interesting. And then if you hit both left and right on one bank. The center target then becomes 7,000 points. That's right. I've never seen that rule before. That is an amazing rule. I love that. That is an awesome rule. Yeah. Do you do you actively go for that spinner on the left side when you've got it lit? Because it seems like a reasonably dangerous shot. It all depends. If it's if it's up there, you know, you got 1,000 points per spin, I'll go for it. But usually I'm trying for the drop targets if I'm trying that side. Yeah. If I've got in the bank where I have double bonus, then I'll I'll just go for the spinner. To get it yep. back up top again for yep, more bonus yep. and more stars. So, yep. okay, so you're actively going for bonus up the back instead of anything yeah, with else. Yeah, with that rollover. That rollover. That rollover is very important. People forget about that. That is a big-time rollover. You nudge it into that rollover, and it increases your bonus, and there's no danger. Your ball's way up there. You, you can't possibly drain. But there's other people that will play stars strictly for bonus that they will – they will shatch the in-lanes back and forth to try to, to hit a lit in-lane to get bonus that way. 
Going for bonus, how does that progress the game better than going for the drop targets or the stars? How does that work? Well, what he was talking about with the shatsing when you, you're on yeah. one flip and yeah. you shoot into the lane. If it's lit, that's three bonus shots right there for one rollover right. on in lanes. You also have the rollovers and the top and also the middle. Yes. The middle rollovers. That's another way to get bonus. And then also a target will get you won't get you bonus. It'll get you yeah, it one does. light yeah, and a bonus. Yeah, and then uh, the but I don't think the drop targets do. Only the the, the regular stand up targets do, I think it is. Okay. I think you have, have to, to remember that. clear the drop targets or something for to get bonus. Well multiplier. You oh, get, it, of course. And it depends right. on okay. the settings. Again, there's all kinds of different settings you can do for it. I've seen it set different ways. But the most standard one I've seen is you do one three bank, it gives you double. Yes. You do all six, it gives triple. you triple. And once you once you get it up to if you've hit them all down three times and you got triple bonus, do you know what scores you get beyond that if you just keep hitting them down? Do you does it keep score? It's a special. It's a special. Oh, of course, right. So when you've knocked them down, what well, that's the fourth time you get fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever many times you can do it if you can get it that high. Right. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember, Bruce. Do you remember in the settings if you set it for one special per ball? Does the drop target special count separately than the star special? It does. So you could get two hundred thousand on 200, one ball. Yes. Yes. Oh, even though there's two going on, and so that's right. So you said when you get the star, the roving special moves around the playfield. Do you yes. know what sets that off? The pop bumper or something, or is it just switches in general? What changes it? Switches in general. Okay. Yeah. I think it's the slingshots. Slingshots, the side. Yeah, uh, it's more switches. than it's multiple switches, and it's a pain. It'll move around. You miss it. <laughs> then it'll be moved again. Miss it again. <laughs> Yeah. What a great feature. I didn't really know about that. That's amazing. So, yeah, you can essentially get 200,000 if you get the game cranked up enough by hitting those two specials oh, yeah. again. That's amazing. And at that point, if you get that 200,000, don't forget, you already got triple bonus. Most likely, you've maxed out your bonus. So, it's 19 times three. Yeah. So, right. you're already at an extra 67,000 points. Amazing. And I just want to say a big thanks. I think, I think Ron, you mentioned about the different drop targets. Was it with Swinks? Were you talking about that the other day, mate, on a podcast? Uh, I know Swinx is making – they're making the Tombstone targets. Yes. Yes, they are. And so what I did is I bought a set, a great expense from Marco, which, you know, were great, but they were the – what I found out to be incorrect belly drop targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all are yeah. pretty much. Yeah, they all With are the lip on the top. Yeah. So, and I, they yep. were bricking and not working very well. And they were also, now they're supposed to be green and red, right? As opposed to blue and red, those drop targets. Is that right? I don't know. Oh, I've exactly. seen them both. I've yeah, seen I've them seen both, both ways. actually, yes. Mine, I believe mine are blue and red and mine are original. Think, so you I, can. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And mine are green and red. So I know mine yeah. are original too. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, fight, fight, fight. Yeah. And this is, this is stern. They were not terribly consistent. It's right. whatever they had printed in the, in the factory. Cause it's not the only game that has like stars on the drop targets. So right. oh, yeah, that's true. And it's funny. Cause I usually look at yeah. the flyer on the IPDB to try and figure out. You can't even go by that. Cause that's a prototype. Oh, and they, and that's a, all the flyers are protos. They're all oh, prototypes. So they got me and they could too. change before they go into production during production they could change like meteor they changed during production with the the meteor targets they were the the tombstone style and then they went to the style with the lip during the run so right oh really i've only ever seen meteors with the one with the lip on them yeah mine do not have the lip 
Mine are actually Tombstone. I have Tombstone also. A shout out to Swinks because I ordered some drop targets through him. And what he's actually done is he's made a, a version that doesn't have, you know how drop targets have usually got a bit of a hollow area on the back of them? So he's mm-hmm. made them perfectly solid and I installed them and they are 100 times better than the buns with the lip on them. I can't believe what a difference it made. Yeah, he offers the ones that are hollow too. Yeah, he does. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. He offers like every iteration yep. you could want. Yeah. And people have been happy with them. We'll have to see how they stand up over time. That's Absolutely. The thing. I've, so I've yeah. still got my other set from that I got from Marco, which are great quality and all that, but they were bricking so much. But these, the ball just rolls and they just glide down. They are, make such a difference. And considering how hard Stars is, the last thing you want to be doing is bricking drop targets because, I mean, that's just brutal. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, I reckon we've come to the end of our uh, explanation of this beautiful machine. I guess I'll ask you in turn, so Bruce, why do you love this game so much? Is there one thing or is it a sum of its parts? I think it's a sum of the parts. First, the rules are perfect. It is a perfect rule set. The play field is hard. It's fast. And the chimes just make it so perfect. When you hit the special, the hollow fourth coil for that is just awesome. Now, I know other people are going to say, oh, there's better games out there at that time, you know, but it's just the right recipe that made that game special to me. And yeah. it makes Kirk's game so desirable when you look at Nine Ball after that and you look at Gamatron and you look at other stuff, you know, that he's done. You know, you're like, oh, Meteor, Meteor. I want to have it. Yeah, I got to have it. I have all Amazing. four. All four Kirk games I have. <laughs> Over to you, Ron. What Ron? if thou loveth stars? It's the ultimate just one more game game. That's the easiest way I could say it. During the winter, like my father will come over on Sundays to play. This is the one time my games get played. And we will always finish on stars. Is that right? And every game we play, we'll usually play me one or two games except for stars. Because we have to play more than one or two games because it's stars. And one or two games might only take a couple of minutes. So we have to play more games. I guess that's the good thing about games of that era as well. It's a different experience, isn't it? Where, like you said, with Lord of the Rings, which I unfortunately don't own, but that is a real journey <laughs> to take. And you have it to is. allow yourself, what, 20 minutes, that's half an hour? That's a good word for it. Yeah, journey. <laughs> I totally agree. Even if it just nails you straight away, I think you always think, I can do better. I have to agree. It is awesome. It's one of the best games. Do you find your friends enjoy it as much as well? I was actually interested to see when I had some friends over the other night and they they genuinely loved it. And I was surprised because some of the older games like Sinbad, they didn't love because they found it too hard. Do your mates enjoy it and play it a lot? Uh, It's popular at the co-op, definitely. It was popular at the Silver Ball Saloon when I had it. Uh, The one time I I did a real fun competition, I put a $100 bill underneath the, uh, you know, on the apron. And if you got 400,000 points, the $100 bill was yours. I had to make at least $700 in that game for people trying to – at 50 cents a play, I made about $700. And I was very <laughs> happy to give away the $100 bill to that winner. That's true. So someone got 400,000? Yep. They got wow. 400,000. They got 432,000 in one game. Wow. It was. It had to be at least a month and a half. People were still playing, trying to get it. And that guy, as soon as he got it, there's your $100 bill. Knock your socks off, and that was it. What a great idea. That's a really, really good idea. Yeah. And what about you, Ron? Do you find people gravitate towards that in your game room? Uh, it depends. If they're into newer games, maybe not. They don't like getting destroyed. 
but, uh, <laughs> but the more hardcore players will always, always like to play it. They may not like to play it in a tournament because they'll yeah. get completely hosed, but yeah. You're yeah. Fight like a robot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wonder about these older games and we obviously we're kind of converts and whether they are accessible to other people. But as I said, I, I was interested to see, I've had some people struggle with older games. I had pinball pool for a while as well. And that was a pretty brutal game. The Gottlieb system one. Um, mm-hmm. And people didn't necessarily like that so much. They didn't mind it. But the stars, I reckon people are gravitating towards it. The reason I got stars is probably, I'd say, oh, I'd, I'd give you guys about 90% of the reason I got the game, I reckon. Because <laughs> it was on the market for a while with a local collector. And it sat around for a long time. And I kept hearing about it. And it just kept coming up. Not only with you guys, but with other podcasts. And so when I finally made the leap and... Uh, I can't thank you enough for it. It's been uh, it's been wonderful. And it was only ten thousand dollars. Yes, ten thousand <laughs> Australian. <laughs> I'm still paying it off. <laughs> Five bucks a week for the next fifty years. Excellent. So, what do you reckon, lads? Have we done it justice? Is there anything you'd like to uh, add to this uh, wonderful game that we've omitted? No, I think mm-hmm. it's 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 you know yeah. if you do get the game, uh, just replace the rectifier board if you're having issues with lights and voltages and that kind of stuff that's always the main issue with that also well thanks so much guys i just can't probably express how much i appreciate you guys doing this with me i really appreciate everything you guys do for the community as well i know firsthand that podcasts and live streams and working for hours on games it doesn't pay the bills and without ambassadors like yourselves these old games would be washing off into obscurity so thanks so much guys thank you for having us on no problem Hope to beat Australia someday. Oh, you'd yeah, be someday. very welcome. You can come down and hang out in my dank shed and play stars and, and comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so some final thoughts. I absolutely concur with these fine gents. This game grabs me in all the right places. That was for you, Bruce. It's a very hard game, but you feel as though you can achieve it all, despite the fact that it reminds you again and again and again and again that victory is hard won. I find myself overthinking it and repeating my punishment as I want to master it, but maybe that is a fool's errand and not what Mr. Kirk intended. Though to be fair, there are many glimmers of sunshine through the clouds on this beautiful and elusive game. It's hard to describe the feeling, but when the stars are all achieved and the playfield is lit up like a Christmas tree, you know there is even hope for a wretched soul like me. As Oscar Wilde said, we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. Thanks for listening. The Pimple Tapes is an original concept written and edited by me, Zach Collier. The original music in this episode, including the title track, The Optagon and the Saw, were written and played by my band, The Sea Thieves. You can listen and follow The Sea Thieves on Bandcamp, Apple Music, Tidal and Spotify. If you want to get in touch with corrections and comments, you can email me at thepinballtapes at gmail.com. I also can't leave without shamelessly plugging my wife and I's cafe bar and event space called The Jade. If you like seeing some live music, having a party, or simply enjoying an excellent coffee or cold beverage, while playing pinball, of course, 
then come and visit us at 142 to 160 Flinders Street, Adelaide, South Australia. At the time of this recording, the mighty Cyclone is on site in our cosy heritage front bar, just waiting for you to experience its kinetic magic. Keep an ear out for future episodes, and I have more games to explore with you. Stay cool, Daddy-O. Zach signing out.